It's not just time to get away. It's time to travel with Anita. From around the world to across Georgia, she covers it all. Now, here's the host of Travel with Anita, Anita Thomas. Hello, 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 and welcome aboard Travel with Anita and Friends. Now, sometimes there are jewels of history, tradition, and culture right in our own area that we may have missed. Maybe it was just that we never learned about it in school, or maybe it never came up in conversations throughout our lives. But it's right there in our backyard, and it's been there the whole time, waiting to be found or shared and just waiting for us to explore it a little bit more and let others know about those things as well and the exceptional history that we have right in our own backyard. Now, I had a chance to visit Arabia Mountain and Flat Rock, and that is a great spot for me in this situation because I wasn't familiar with it. And what you have there is a proud legacy of people, traditions, histories, and families that are not very well known Yet I found a lot out about them, and I was immediately filled with a lot of pride and wanted to know a whole lot more. Now, I spent a day in Flat Rock talking with Jimmy Waits, the executive director of Flat Rock Archives in Lithonia, along with his cousin Vinny. And yes, there is a real cousin Vinny. There's no such thing as that. <laughs> but let me slow down a little bit because I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead here and sharing my story. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Flat Rock. It is located about 25 minutes outside of downtown Atlanta, and it is the oldest continuously occupied African-American community in DeKalb County, Georgia. It was established in the 1800s, and it's the home of former slaves, farms, and workers at the local rock quarry. And at one time, over 300 people called that area home, and it's still a thriving community. Maybe not with quite as many people, but it's still thriving there. And as with many cities around the United States, people moved to the North for better jobs during the Depression. And also some of the African-American families wanted to move where they could raise their children without the fear of racial prejudice and bias. Now, a guy by the name of T.A. Bryant was a farmer and a longtime resident of Flat Rock. And he wanted to make sure that the community did not die away during the Depression and during those times as people were moving away. I mean, he understood why, but he still wanted to keep that community vital. So he purchased land and encouraged other African-Americans to stay in the, in the area too. And through the years, T.A. Bryant worked and helped save the community and keep it going with schools, businesses, and families calling the area home, and they still do today. And Jenny, who manages the family home and archives, still lives in the area, too. And it's his family, so he's all about saving that legacy. Now, the Bryant home is on Crossvale Road, which is part of the Arabia Mountain National Heritage Area. And if you're not familiar with that area, it is great for recreational outings and activities and cultural uh, things, too. It's great walking and cycling paths that you'll find there. And it's a beautiful area of almost... 2,600 acres in the Arabia Mountains and the Panola Mountains. Now, during that, in, in that particular area, European settlers and enslaved Africans lived there on that land during the 1800s. And you can still find the homestead of some of those, uh, some of those places. For instance, the Lions Farm, uh, where a house and barn still stands. And if you visit that area, it provides an opportunity to see 
and also get an idea of the farm life and how those who were enslaved would have lived their day-to-day lives. Now, the Bryant family home is now part of the Arabia Mountain Heritage Area, and it has preserved many of the artifacts, allowing us to see how the proud people made their way from being enslaved to building their community. A visit to the Flat Rock archives located in the T.A. Bryant's home provides a walk through history with family photographs, personal objects, things like jewelry, furnishings, and a home which has changed a little bit, but it's also kept up with the changing times. Of course, that's going to happen, but it continues to be a replica of homes during that period of time when the Bryants started their lives in that very spot. Now, visit can give you the feeling of walking back in time and really checking out how the Bryant family would have lived and raised their family right there in that home. I want to also add, if you're a Chris Tucker fan, the comedian, he is the great-great-grandson of T.A. Bryant. How cool is that? And how about Warren Moon, the NFL Hall of Fame quarterback? also has family ties to Flat Rock. So there's quite a legacy there, not only in the things that they achieved, but also in the people that have come out of there and made success for themselves. Now, it's a legacy that continues in one uh, to learn more about because the Flat Rock archives in the Arabian Mountain Heritage Area is close by. You can certainly check it out. Now, I asked Redonda Cosby, who is the executive director of the Arabian Mountain Heritage Alliance, to give us an overview. And here's what she had to share. That essentially means we're a volunteer group of organizations and, and, and uh, uh, staff and board that work to promote uh, and conserve the land and the spaces inside what's defined as a national heritage area. Mm-hmm. And so there are 55 of those across the country. We're the 49th. And at the heart of our national heritage area, uh, we're proud to say we have Flat Rock uh, archives as a community of, of both resiliency that tells amazing stories every day. And so as a part of this tour, when you do come out, it starts, it's a four um, site tour. So today we're sitting with Anita in a small house museum in Stonecrest, but just a stone's throw away is where the enslaved community began this journey. And what's so significant for me and what I like to see people take away when they come is imagine in a Jim Crow South then for an African-American male to approach a white landowner and have significant resources to garner land. And, and, and make a significant change in a community where he could offer land ownership to other family members so you had choices. And so that's a significant story. And for most of us that are from the South or from the North with South roots, uh, these stories are similar all across America. There was a big mama, there was a T.A. Bryant, there was somebody's uncle, but one of my greatest memories is hearing cousin Vera, who's not seated here today, say that when she came from an area just a little further here, the excitement when you got within a stone's throw of TAs and her father would look at his entire family and say, the one thing different about Arthur is he owned his land. Where we going and the pride and how they would swell up in the car and how she would just follow him around this entire property asking question after question from the outhouse to the smokehouse to the front porch. Just everything there was to be excited about it. But it was that kind of hope that, that gave birth to other people that became Frankie Hardy, that became that first school teacher that inspired Johnny Waits to climb through this window of this undiscovered treasure and turn this into a museum and an archive. So it's, that's, that's what I like to, to, for folks to know that there were um, African-Americans striving against all odds in every small crevice and cranny. And before there was even an Atlanta, there was a flat rock. 
that was creating and paving a way for larger cities and some of the greatest civil rights icons and folks like not just just the Warren Moons and the Chris Tuckers of the world, but the list is long of contributors from Flat Rock. Yes, it is home to many. You'll hear more about that all throughout my show today. But I want to point out, too, that also located in the Arabia Mountain Heritage Area is the Monastery of the Holy Spirit. And that is a monastery of the of 28 monks spanning several generations who live, work, and pray together. And the monks have dedicated themselves to the worship of God in a hidden life under the rule of the Saint Benedict. And their daily lives are spent in solitude and silence and in prayer. But the good thing is, is that you can go and visit the monastery. And it is located in Conyers, Georgia. And for uh, information about how you can do that, visit their website at trappist.net. That's T-R-A-P-P-I-S-T. Net. And also there's the Flat Rock Cemetery, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later in the show. And it is the location of the burial site for the enslaved Africans and Native Americans. And we'll talk more about that and really how the family and their legacy have been able to, uh, to kind of know and find those grave sites and know who's buried there. So we'll stop here, we'll take a break, and when we come back, I'll share my kind of conversation with Jenny Waits, Executive Director at Flat Rock Archives in Lithonia, Georgia, the family member who is keeping that legacy alive. Back in a few minutes, her on Travel with Anita and Friends. alive in our ability to visit places where legacies are preserved and maintained for generations to come. It's our way of learning more about ourselves through the lives of others. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. The Flat Rock community outside of Atlanta, Georgia in DeKalb County is a community that has thrived past slavery through the depression and changing times. And I had a chance to visit the T.A. Bryant home, which is now a historic site, and talk with the director there, Jenny Waits. Here's what he had to say about the house and about how they are preserving their history. You're located within the house of the Flat Rock Archive, which used to be T.A. Bryant's house. He built this house in 1917. It was their home for many, many, many years. And we came in about 12 years ago, the Flat Rock Archive, when his son, T.A. Bryant Jr., donated the house to Flat Rock Archive so that we can preserve it. Uh, I'm a family member. Outside, um, the neighbors, everybody is still family in this community. So tell me a little bit about what makes this community historic. What are some of the things that took place and the people who, you know, were responsible for those things? Well, you know, Flat Rock, it started in 1821 when it, the, it took, they took this land from the Creek Indians. Well, just starting from slavery, you know, the, uh, the slaves was in this territory 
and they lived here. They was brought here, and we have a slave cemetery here um, in this community as well that goes all the way back to uh, 1821. That's how our family ended up in this part of the country. This was cotton territory. Of course, I mean, I picked cotton for fun back in the 70s, uh, but that was uh, what they did. They farmed cotton. They had no choice. Yes, and Cousin T.A., who talks about uh, big growing up here, he said cotton as far as you can see, on hills, on everywhere, cotton. And then, you know, later he became a farmer, and he peddled his goods around Atlanta so that people uh, could get fresh vegetables. And he grew his, uh, he never went to work for anybody, Mr. Bryant. Mm -hmm. um, he grew all of his vegetables here. He grew his pigs, his hogs, his chickens, everything right here on this property. How, how much acreage uh, did he have? He had a total of 80 acres. When he got older, he started selling the property to his kids and grandkids and now great-grandkids um, so that they wouldn't leave the community. He was the second man in the cab to own land. And what year did he, did he get the land? Did he purchase it? He bought the, uh, the house in uh, 1917 is when he built this house. Well, tell me where the name Flat Rock comes from. I mean, are there like granite rocks? I know we're not far from Stone Mountain, so. Yeah, there's rocks everywhere. If you dig 20 feet, uh, <laughs> 10 feet in the ground, you're reaching rocks. So that's how Flat Rock got his name um, from all of the outcrop in this community. Mm -hmm. It's plenty of outcrop, Arabia Mountain, Panola Mountain, all of those are rocks, rock mountains and they just are a rock throw away. Well, tell me a little bit more then about the community um, and just some of the other people that were here that were business owners and just how the community really thrived and, and, and grew. Well, this community uh, grew a lot through uh, the people. The people really kept this community together and uh, they had uh, stores, uh, right across the street, uh, Mr. Bryant's store. They had stores, even before me, they had stores on Evans Mill Road, uh, Mr. Mr. Waits' house, and um, they had the church. The church was founded back in 1860 during slavery. The church was... Um, a very important part in the in this community and uh, we've always had it in the community we used to be united methodist and but now we're independent church jenny could you are redundant tell me a little bit about the woman in the picture here patsy moon education over in the spelman community and um went on to be the first african-american employed by the Fox Theater. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so um, she will be, she's a history maker and the mother to another history maker, the mother to Warren Moon. So that's Patsy and Warren Moon right here out of the Flat Rock community. Um, and a part of her uh, storytelling is listening to her um, with the same 
youthful whimsicalness that we all should have at a college age, but to put it in context with what it meant and that she still only could sell tickets on the side of the theater to the colors that came to the side. And even to go pick up her paycheck, it was a side. Yeah. And she even had, she was the first person housed there because she actually stayed on the property. Wow. But to just hear her tell that story at 94 years of age, in the context of the young woman that she was then at Spelman, mm -hmm. it's an amazing story. She lived in Los Angeles, California. Well, Johnny, tell me about this picture. This looks really interesting. Is this the whole family? I love this picture because it shows so much depth and, and history in the, in the, in the community. You know, the family members, the, Mr. Bryan himself as a child and Mr. Lyons as a child. And what about these pictures of the school? It seems like uh, everyone was in one class. Yes. Yeah, that's the whole school. Yeah. That's the whole Flat Rock school right there. Uh, when I found out that we could only go to the seventh grade, it really pissed me off. And, you know, because my mom was very proud to tell us that she fin finished the seventh grade. And and when I found out that they didn't have no more school. Right, right. That was it. That was it. We had a graduation for them, and um, we got 60 people together and had a graduation. That's my mother right there, and that's my aunt. But we graduated them in uh, doctor robes, uh -huh. and they finally had their diploma signed by the superintendent of that's the Cab awesome. County Schools. I love that. I love that. And this woman right here, this is Louise Bates. She the one who started all the schools in, in DeKalb County. Her name is Louise Bates. And that was her daughter right there, Frankie Bates. Jenny, let's talk a little bit about this area where you have fuel with the cotton, because this was so much a part of our enslaved ancestors' lives. This area right here is dedicated with, for cotton. Uh, we tell the story about cotton uh, but we're not proud of it, but it is a story that has to be told. Well, it's the story of your ancestors. Yes, you know, it I sell, is. I say all the time, if, you know, we could, if I could go back to my ancestors that picked cotton or rice. Yeah, or, man, wouldn't they, they have some great stories? They have some great stories, but I wouldn't want to go back saying I'm embarrassed no. by that or that. I think it, it, it was their life. That was their life. It was their life. That so, was their life. That's right. So in some way, we have to almost honor it because... It is what they had to do. Yes, yes. And I'm glad that we have it here yeah. in the archive. You know, we can show how it started out. We can show how it's raw. And then we're going to actually get a cotton bag and put in here and to show what it makes cotton. You know, cotton, cotton was king. And this is the only place in the South that you can grow cotton. The weather was right. Everything was right. You couldn't grow cotton up north because it was too cold. You couldn't grow it out west because it was too hot, but in the south was where they yeah. grow much cotton, right. much cotton, and, so. And, and you couldn't really grow, they grew rice down on the coast of Georgia. Yes. Because it was, you know, the weather was great and the climate was good for that. That's that right. Happened. We'll stop here and when we come back, we'll go outside and Jenny's cousin Vinny will share his thoughts about life growing up up north and coming south to visit here on Travel with Anita and Friends. If this world were mine, I would place at your feet all that I own. You've been so good to me. If this world were mine, 
letting us know a bit more about how and why we're living our lives the way we are today. Museums, historic sites, heritage areas bring history to life. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. I had the chance to visit T.A. Bryant's house in Flat Rock, Georgia, and see the archives there and had a chance to talk with Johnny Waite's cousin named Vinny, who was raised up north. And he tells us a little bit about his life growing up up north, but also coming down south to visit family. Unlike Johnny, I, I was born up north. I was born in New Jersey, um, and my mother was born in New Jersey. However, my grandmother was Gladys Waits, and she was born here in Lithonia. And uh, my great-grandmother also uh, was a Bryant, Lucille Bryant, and she was born here in Lithonia about 1890. So, uh, and then her mother was born here also. So, you know, we, um, this is a, a, a really a, uh, a heartfelt experience for me because I feel like uh, I retired and relocated here to Georgia about 11 years ago, and um, I've always loved history because of the fact that I grew up with my mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother in our home in New Jersey, and they shared with us the rich history and stories of Georgia. And of course, when you're a youngster and you, you, know, you hear all these colorful stories, and many of them were frightening, uh, you say, well, I don't want to go to Georgia to visit. <laughs> It sounds like that was a dangerous place. But then again, you hear the other stories that revolve around family and love and caring for one another and a community where everyone um, looked out for one another and worked together to be successful, then you understand it. And then you also hear the stories about how your, your forefathers um, fought for education and, and really education was at the forefront uh, of their lives, even though the the uh, the system was not set up for you to be educated. You know, my great aunt always told me, "Hey, I I only had a, a seventh grade education. There was nowhere else to go after the seventh grade. So basically, you went out into the field and you started helping your family. So so that uh, when that crop came in, you you know you had to share half of it with the landowner. So it, it was a difficult time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've come a long long way." And uh, we still have a long, long way to go is, you know, if you're up on what's going on in America right now. And, and um, this platform really gives us a chance to really reinforce the fact that um, history is important and our young people need to know uh, our past so that we understand why our present is the way it is and we understand what we have to do to move forward in the future. So um, I'm excited. I'm always excited when I come here to the archives because I feel like the, you know, my ancestors, their spirits are here yeah. and they, they appreciate what we're doing because we continue to tell the stories that they shared with us. Vinny, growing up in what we African-Americans call up north, what are some of the stories that you heard about life down south? We did have a school here. My grandmother told me they had just had a one-room schoolhouse yeah. and with, a, with a, a pot stove in the middle of the floor, and all the children had to go there. There was no, oh, okay, kindergarten, first grade, right. second grade, like, you know, like my mother was able to do up in the north. My mother was born in 1930, so 1935, she's in a, a integrated school. 
you know, and so that's one of the other reasons why many of our family members did go to the North. It wasn't that, uh, you know, it was just going for better opportunities, you know, during the Great Migration, that's when my great-grandmother left about 1919. So you can understand why, because, you know, we know that, you know, uh, education is the equalizer. You know, you have to pursue it and the higher education uh, that you're able to pursue, usually the better you do economically in this country. So the education was the key. But, you know, again, when we set our schools up, uh, that other element, that negative element that didn't want us to be high achievers would constantly come in like groups of the Ku called the Ku Klux Klan and they would burn our schoolhouses down, they would burn our churches down, they would do whatever they could to suppress our advancement. However, we never gave up, we just kept fighting because we knew that we were right. And uh, be right and know you're right, that's what my grandmother used to do. Now, Jenny, Vinny mentioned that growing up north, that you would hear stories about down south that could sound a little scary. And as we stand outside now looking at the barn, tell us the story about what happened to the original barn. The original barn was burnt. Uh, all the barns in this community was burnt uh, in 1934. All the barns was burnt and all of the schools was burnt. And uh, we figured the Klan or somebody, yeah. a racist, uh, must have came in this community and said, you know, uh, those black people are doing too well. So that is the second barn uh -huh. on the house. Uh, he rebuilt it immediately. He would tell the story of how he would jump when people scare him and he thought that they was coming to burn the barn down again. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was, it was a very tragic night. Um, I'm, I'm sure they live with a lot of fear like that. Though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they, they was, uh, you know, approached plenty of times with racism. Yeah. And, and for a black man to own land, you know, they, they, you know that, that's a no-no. They drove Mr. South out for selling land to blacks. Vinny, how do you see the property and the legacy here continuing into the future with the youth? We're uh, looking for, we're looking to acquire an additional three acres uh, because we want to expand this area. We want to uh, be able to bring children here and teach them how to work with their hands, how to plant their own vegetables right. and take care of them because um, a lot of children have never had that experience right. and it, it is really an, 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 an enriching experience for them. And so we're excited about the fact that eventually we will have uh, be able to plant more fruit trees in the back and um, so that we can, um, you know, and also it will give us an opportunity to sell the produce that uh, we produce here at the archives. It'll give us another um, opportunity to generate income for, for uh, the archives. So yeah. we're excited about that. Killing hogs was one of the main activities that would take place back in that time. That's how people got their meat. Any stories on that? At a certain time of year, you would kill the hogs, mm -hmm. okay? And so the landowner, um, um, this is before, before cousin, um, uh, T.A. acquired this property, you know, back in the early 1900s, uh, late 1800s, uh, you had to share everything that you had with the landowner, you know, in terms of sharecropping. So he took half of everything you produced and even more of that, more than that even, you know, because he would say, oh, well, don't forget, you owe me for that seed, you owe me for this, you know, and you, 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 yeah, you could never get ahead. So I, I'll never forget the story my grandmother told me. He approached her grandfather and said, well, Sam, I'm sorry, but Mary Alice had a baby boy this winter. We're going to have to take both of those hams 
And so I said, what do you mean take both of those hams, Grandma? She said, well, uh, uh, Vincent, a, ham, a hog only has two hams. That's the right rear side and the left rear side. That's where the ham comes from. So all those years I had eaten ham, I didn't even know. You know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a northerner. I don't know anything about farming. But, uh, but I learned and I, and I felt that, that I, I felt her pain because I said, wow. She said, that's why we had the smokehouse and we had to get the pig feed and the chitterlings. And, you know, we had to, we had to eat what, what was ever left. We had to eat what was left. So, you know, it wasn't that we preferred uh, chitterlings to ham. But you had to eat what you had to eat, what was there. Now, Jenny, over at the cemetery, how did you all know that the grave sites were enslaved ancestors of yours? You know, we we were just kids. And that's how I know the graves that don't have the stones. Because we was kids and they would always point out, that's my daddy, that's my granddaddy, that's so-and-so. This uh, cemetery that we're going to had Creek Indians. It had slaves, and then it had free people. We stopped burying here in 1957. My grandmother has a story, and in that story, she talks about riding a horse buggy uh, going down Evansmere Road, and how horses were spooked right at the entrance of the cemetery. So she tells that she told that story so many times. We knew that she was going to tell that story again, especially when she got older. Uh huh. Yeah, but I like that story. Yeah. She knew that the cemetery, yeah. she believed that they were spooked by the, uh, the, the cemetery. Yeah. If you want to uh, really do a tour, you can uh, go on our website and make a, and, and schedule a tour. And what is your website? FlatRockArchive.com. Uh, uh, Okay. These are fascinating stories, and they're waiting for you also to experience. Visit Arabia Mountain Heritage Area for the history and for the recreational outings, too. And we'll stop to take a break, and when we come back, I have more to tell you about the area here on Travel with Anita and Friends. Legacies go, so does influence on how they help those around us and how they determine who we are today. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. Have you heard of the New Black Wall Street? It's a project started to provide opportunities for African Americans to realize their dreams of owning a business. I had a chance to visit and talk with the manager there, Matthew Hampton, director of the Allen Entrepreneurial Center and the New Black Wall Street. Here's what he had to share. So may I call you Matt or Matthew? Whatever your pleasure. Well, I like to call you Matt because it feels like then we're friends already. There you go. That's the way I want you to feel when you're in a new Black Wall Street market. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I am just fascinated with this concept. So tell me how it all got started. Well, this concept was birthed out of Mr. Allen's 20-year commitment to increasing the number and size of minority and women-owned businesses throughout the United States and globally. So to kind of unpack that for you, for the last 20 years, our founder, Mr. Leicester Bill Allen, has been dedicated to this mission of creating more black millionaires in the country. And so as we were approaching the 100th year centennial anniversary of the burning of the original Black Wall Street, about two years ago, Mr. Allen said, you know what, that's the theme under which we should create a marketplace. 
And we should create a place in Atlanta, in the Atlanta metro area, where you can come out and actively support over 100 businesses. And so the birth, the idea was birthed maybe about two, two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. uh, right as the pandemic was starting. <laughs> uh, you know, we had this, this, this great wild idea. We had already gotten Mr. Allen to buy this building the, um, the where the new Black Wall Street market is now. It's 125,000 square feet uh, building that uh, was formerly a Target. And so that so he's like, let's take that building and let's go to work and let's let's get to work and make some things happen. So tell me then how many um, is it, are you calling them stalls or stores? How, how do you identify each of the businesses that are here? And tell me how many are here. Right. So we have suites is what we call suites, them. Okay. Uh, and so right now we are actually about 90 percent sold out of all of our suite spaces. Uh, we were really blessed because Mr. Allen was so aggressive. Uh, and wanting to celebrate and commemorate the 100th year anniversary of the new Black Wall Street market. We started this process Memorial Day uh, about a year, two years ago uh, of vetting and and we began in our parking lot, celebrating bringing black businesses together uh, and finding out the folks that we would wanna work with when we came in. So once we got the building open, uh, we pretty much had a group of folks that we knew we wanted to work with that were the right kind of businesses uh, and so it was pretty quickly in about a month or so, we have over 100 businesses here now. And so through our suite program, our resident program, we service about 100 different black businesses. Uh, and also through our pop up program, we also are helping to grow and develop around 50 more black businesses. So right now, our impact is around 150. Uh, and I got a bunch of other programs to launch and we should be up to about 500 black businesses uh, in the next probably three to four months. That is really awesome, man. That's that's great. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I, I don't know how many I don't know how many thank yous you guys get, but it's really great because people do need that outlet. They need a place where they can go and establish their business and feel as though you know that the market that wants to support them is going to come and know where they are. And it, it sounds like that's what you guys are providing. Yeah, and and I think you know a lot of times some of the you know so so we we are excited about it and and really the thanks goes to Mr. Allen. Uh, at the age of 77, I was sitting here side by side with him uh, over the last year and watched him work around the clock. Mm-hmm. And so not only is he the investor, uh, but he's put his heart, his soul, and just a, a huge work ethic uh, that he has into really building and shaping this place up. And in literally 11 months, we built out 125,000 square feet. Uh, and so it's, it, he amazes me uh, every time I see just his vigor and his focus on building this business. Uh, so it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been, thanks don't go to me, thanks go to him. Uh, you know, we just try to help and be a support to his vision in any way that we can. All right, to push it forward. So what are some of the businesses that are here? Oh man, we have, I mean, it's a real 360 experience when you come here. Start off in our art gallery, and actually, uh, my numbers were off because we probably are servicing about 50 artists through our art gallery. Mm-hmm. So we have a beautiful art gallery that has pe- that have pieces from all over the continent of Africa. I mean, it just it really speaks to who we are uh, mm-hmm. as a people. Uh, when you come down uh, Choctaw, uh, that's our retail row. We have beautiful garments from out throughout the continent of Africa. We have really like the current hip women's clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have essentials and candles and body butters and baths. Uh, and then if you go down AG Gaston, uh, we created that street to be retail. Uh, so we have places like Fit With Hips where you can get your body shapers on. Uh, and we also have great real estate agents, credit counselors, 
Uh, and we wanted that street to be a street where people could not only come out here and consume, but also they could be part of getting their act together so they can be part of the producer side of the table. Uh, and then our most popular street uh, is Madam C.J. Walker, where I was just talking to uh, the DW Wax when you were walking in. We can wax you. We can do your eyebrows, your face. <laughs> so we can wax you, flip you, curl you, do all that you and want I'm right ready. here at the Black Wall Street Market. <laughs> uh, and then right now, because we haven't got our restaurants in yet, uh, when you go in our back hallway, we have a number of artists that are on display over the weekends through our pop-up program. Uh, and we also have about 14 different ways for you to eat some really good food when you come to the new Black Wall Street Market. So again, we really are trying to give folks a 360 experience here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna be about six months before we get the rest of our restaurants uh, and some of our other establishments that require some additional plumbing in. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, I think that folks are having a great time when they come out here. And I was noticing also too at your reception area there, you have a listing of all the activities that are going on. So you also have activities that, that take place as well. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, Christmas we did great. Uh, but in a lot of ways, as the new Black Wall Street Market in a, in a venue that promotes and celebrates black culture, of course, February is like Christmas to us. Mm -hmm. So we've seen our numbers go from 10 to 12,000 per weekend to about 12 to 15,000 with our first weekend and our activities hadn't even started yet. Yeah. So we are, this weekend it serves as our first weekend uh, of actually having programmed black history activities. Mm -hmm. And we are super excited uh, because we got the, the, uh, the black Jeepers coming in, the people that drive the Jeeps. We have <laughs> the black quilters coming in, the AKAs, the Deltas. So everybody is, is really uh, looking at this as the place to celebrate Black History Month if you're in the Atlanta metro area or anywhere on this side of the, the country. Come yeah. on to Black Wall Street. Exactly, exactly. It's a trip. I always say that when you travel, you can travel for a theme or for a reason. And certainly coming here would be definitely a reason. I have one more question to ask you, though. You did mention, though, about some of the services that are like helping people get their businesses started. So is that part of your plan as well, is to be that resource also for maybe young people who are wanting to start and not really sure even how to write a business plan and get, and get things started? Oh, you're just hitting on one of my heartstrings. Now, you know, I, I specialize in youth entrepreneurship and helping young people Great. start businesses. That was the work that I was doing prior to this awesome opportunity here at the uh, at the uh, Allen Entrepreneurial Institute. So certainly we're going to be working to highlight and to get young people involved in real entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So much of what happens in our communities with young people is that they don't get a chance to really do it. And that's and when I say do it, like actually create a product with their hands, buy it for a dollar, sell it for three dollars. That's how you teach entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely are going to be using the market as a resource and a place where young people who are serious about their business can come here and sell products. Um, and also to the first part of your question, this for us is not just real estate 101, let's just make the money and sell the spaces. Mm -hmm. For Mr. Allen, this is truly a business development program. Wow. So even in the application process, we vet the businesses out, we figure out where they are in the business cycle, we do a four part snapshot analysis, and then we have our team actually go through, vet, figure out where this entrepreneur is and what's the right program model for them. And then all of our entrepreneurs who are in our resident program, we have secret shoppers that check on the customer service. We do customer service training. We do marketing training and sales support training. We look at their numbers to see where they're falling off and where things may not be working and they may need to pivot. Uh, but training is a big part of it. Every other week they're in tr required training 
in order to keep their sweets. And what it does is 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 designed to make sure that we all are making sure we keep the level up and that we truly are embodying black excellence here at the new black Wall Street market. Well, it is excellent. I am so proud of what you all are doing. And again, congratulations and uh, thank you for doing it. <laughs> but what, one other thing I just want you to share with everyone. How can people find out about the events? Is there a website? Sure. Just, just give us the address of where you're located. So the, the quickest website is go to www.nbwsm, as in New Black Wall Street Market. So if you just put the letters in, www.nbwsm.com, it'll get you to our webpage. Thank you so much for coming out thank today. You. And Thanks thank for you for your interest in the New Black Wall Street Market. That's truly planning a staycation or a getaway with a purpose. Tour the Flat Rock area and visit the Arabia Mountain Heritage and then also check out the new Black Wall Street. It's a full day or maybe two days. Make it a trip. To hear more of the conversations with Jenny Waits and with Vinnie Harris and Redonda Crosby, check out my website, Travel with Anita and Friends. And there you'll also find photos. Now stick with me because I'll be back in two weeks with another great story here on Travel with Anita and Friends. Bye-bye. Oh.